0: Section 7 of 11 Possible Cases by Various. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Monte Spinero. 11 Possible Cases by Various. A Lion and a Lioness by Joaquin Miller CHAPTER Three. With my own hands I spread her couch of skins and rugs in the remotest corner of a great stone slab that still lifted its unbroken front, in defiance of time, high above the tawny sands of the desert. The night was very sultry. Even here, on this high and roomy summit, the broad, deep slab of granite was still warm with sunshine gone away. It gave out heat like a dying furnace. The steep and arduous ascent had taxed her strength, and unloosened her robe, as I turned to examine more minutely our strange quarters on the top of this lofty tomb or temple. She sank to rest half reclining on her arm, her chin in her upturned palm, her face lifted away toward the rising moon. Half a dozen paces to the right I saw two tall and ponderous columns of granite standing in line with those that supported the great slab on which she rested. Evidently, these grand and solitary columns had also once been topped by granite slabs. But these had fallen to the ground under the leveling feet of many centuries, and now lay almost swallowed up in the sea of yellow sand below. I put out my foot carefully, trying to reach the broad top of the nearest column of granite, but it was beyond me. Stepping back a couple paces, and quietly removing my boots, I gathered up my strength and made a leap, landing almost in the center of the column's top. A half-step backward, another leap. Who could resist the challenge of that lone and kingly column that remained? I landed securely as before, then turned about. Her face had not lifted an instant from the awful majesty of the Orient. Slowly, warily, the immense moon came shouldering up through the seas of the yellow sand these billows of sand seemed to breathe and move the expiring heat of the departing sun made them scintillate and shimmer in a soft and undulating light and yet it was not light only the lone and solemn ghost of a departed day yellow and huge and startling stood the moon at last full grown and fearful in its nearest and immensity on the topmost lift of yellow sand in the yellow seas before us, distance seemed to be annihilated. The moon seemed to have forgotten her place and all proportion. Looking down into the sullen Nile, it seemed a black and bottomless chasm, and it seemed so far away, and the moon so very near black as blackest egypt rolled the somber nile down and on and on through this world of yellow light this light that was not light silence desolation death lay on all things below about above the west was molten yellow gold faint and fading it is true but where the yellow sands left off and the yellow skies began no man could say or guess Save by the yellow stars that studded the west with an intense yellow. Yellow to the right, yellow to the left, yellow overhead and yellow underfoot, with only this endless chasm Erebus cleaving the yellow earth in halves with the bottomless pit of endless indissoluble blackness. After a time, and all the world still one sea of softened yellow torn in two by sharon's chasm of black waters i silently leaped back replaced my boots on my feet and then held my breath for i had seen or perhaps felt an object move on the lifted levels of the sand between us and the moon cautiously i sank down on my breast and peered low and long up the horizon I saw, heard, nothing. Glancing around where my companion lay, I saw that she still had not stirred from the half-reclining position she had first taken, with half-lit face in her upturned palm. That she had seen nothing, heard nothing. This, however, did not argue much. Her life had not been of the desert. She had spent her years in the study of men and women, I had spent mine with wild beasts. I could trust her to detect motives in men, give the warning note of danger from dangerous men, but the wild beasts and wilder men of the border were mine to watch and battle with, not hers. She had seen nothing, evidently she feared nothing, and so with resting, resting in mind as in body, And as I glanced again over my shoulder and saw how entirely content she seemed, I was glad. Surely she depended entirely on me, on my watchfulness and my courage. And this made me more watchful and more resolute and stout of heart. A man likes to be trusted. A true man likes a true woman's trust much indeed. A strong man likes to be leaned upon. It makes him stronger, braver, better. Let women never forget this. Admit that she, too, has her days of strength and endurance, and admit that she, too, has her peculiar fortress of strength and courage. And these also men respect and regard with pious tenderness. But man, incapable of her finer and loftier courage and endurance, resent her invasion of his prerogative. It is only a womanly man who can really love a manly woman, but to continue. Looking up a third time to this woman at my side, I saw that she had let her head sink low on her leaning arm. She was surely sleeping. How I liked her trust and her faith in me, and how I liked her courage, too and her high quality of endurance. It was her courage that had brought me up here this night to the contemplation of awful and all-glorious Africa. Silently and without lifting a finger, she had shown me a world of burnished gold. I had surely seen God through her. We stood nearer together now than ever before this single hour of indescribable glory should forever stand as an altar in the desert our souls had melted and flown and tided on intermingled like molten gold in the golden atmosphere and the yellow scene that wrapped us round about and no word had been said when god speaks so audibly let man be silent I must have looked longer on the sleeping and trustful woman at my side than I ought to have looked, for on turning my eyes again to the horizon, there, distinctly on the yellow sand and under the yellow moon, moved stealthily as a cat, yet graceful and grand, the most kingly beast I ever beheld. He did not look right nor left, but moved along with huge head in the air. Slowly and stately, and triumphant in his fearful symmetry and strength. End of section seven. Recorded by Monte Spinero